Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Summer vacation, here we come. Yep, I packed the craft beers I got at Total Wine. Did you remember a bathing suit? No, but I did pack a bunch of summer wines. Whites, rosés, Zinfandels. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. For everything or just tonight? No, well, just well tonight at least. Like Jesus you almost Christ. said, just for tonight, which is a terrible, terrible pop song by a band called One Night Only. Do you remember that song? <laughs> um, yes. Do you remember that song? <laughs> just for tonight, <laughs> hey, hey baby, we'll make it. it. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that one? Oh, no. Yes. Maybe maybe I'd know to hear it. I mean. Hello, my name is Dave Hanrady and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 180 oh of the No Encore Music Podcast. That's right. It is the darts episode in which we talk about darts for an hour and a half. I was more thinking of like the 180, like the skateboard move. Is that, is that like a snowboard move? Like 1080? Snowboarding. Well, no, 1080 is like another, like a much more impressive one than the 180. In darts. No, we fucking skateboarding. Yeah, but I'm talking about darts, man. Oh yeah, I know you're talking about Keep darts, up. Yeah. Some people get that confused. They get that confused with the snooker one. What's the snooker one? It's not 180, Dahi. It's... I don't know. I have no idea. Do you know Zara Hederman? <gasps> oh, shit! Oh, my God! Oh, shit! What happened? Gone for months, it seems. What, 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 what was that? Because <laughs> uh, we had a fight and then you blocked me on Twitter. You, you're bringing that in? Uh, no, I muted you on Twitter. There's a huge difference. I was encouraged by people who will remain unknown uh, to block you on Twitter. But the block is a big deal. And I didn't go there. How would you describe the fight? Um, <laughs> Without actually getting into actual... I, <laughs> I would describe the fight as I was right and you were wrong. Wow. There you go. And that's why we didn't talk for four months. The but... most important thing, though, is that we're all back Look, together. Right no, now, the most important thing is there. who caved? Zara. <laughs> I didn't cave. I was just being polite. Nick Cave over here. <laughs> what? No. Okay. She messed me on my birthday. It was it was a nice, it was a nice peace offering. We're all friends again. It's all good. And, 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 and further <laughs> evidence. Sound. Further evidence of that is the fact that you're back on No Encore. 
I know, yeah. It's mad to be back. Um, the place looks so professional now. It is very professional. It's got a lovely it? um, paint job. It is. It very has got a nice. lovely paint job. Uh, a nice plant over there. Um, I mean, the table was here last time. And yeah, I'm yeah. standing up. This is your first uh, proper No Encore episode since your 1975 review. It is, yeah. Which has been a lot, very talked about. People, people have talked about the re- review quite a bit. That was a really good review. That was a really good conversation. I'd some really people like on your side, some people not on your side. That's, that's always the way, That's, isn't it? that's always the way. <laughs> You know there's a new 1975 album on the way. In fact, I'm pretty sure that as we are recording, I believe they're dropping a brand new track. Oh, really? Amazing. I think so, yeah. Zane oh Lowe's God. hottest record in the world, mate. Or one of those things. Unbelievable. I'll uh, take a bathroom break so I can cheekily <laughs> listen to that. Would yeah. you be up for <laughs> Would you be up for reviewing another 1975 album when it comes out, or is that you done? Are you in retirement now forever? Um, I just listen to literally anything. It's kind of part of my job. It's so. true. <laughs> she will. <laughs> and of course, if you're unfamiliar with Zara, she writes for the Irish Times. She's a contributor to RT Arena. She writes for Totally Dublin. You get her on Twitter at Zara Hederman. Yeah, I think you? there's an underscore. Oh. They'll figure it out. Sorry, <laughs> you know. sorry not to be pedantic yeah, yeah. there. Be like, <laughs> like tweeting some Zara Hederman in like the Philippines or something from miles away. So you've been watching lots of television. I have, yeah. No, I've been having a great 2019, which started off The Wire. Amazing. Did you enjoy the whole of The Wire? All of The Wire. For the first in like time. like two months, yeah. Incredible. Uh, Omar Komen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then after that, watched The Sopranos for the first time and just finished that. And now I'm currently on... Celebrity Big Brother from 2016. Amazing. Yeah, it's Holy my shit. first watch How of that. How do you arrive at that? Like, that's my question. Um, I suppose, like, just going from, like, heavy series to heavy series to then, like, this huge uh, pop culture thing that I have literally no idea what went yeah. on in it. Like, I do know who won. But I'd say it's, like, really... Like, I mean, did you watch Love Island? Yeah, so I watched Love Island and then there was a bit of a void. And yeah. then... Um, I uh, David Happily was just like I think we should definitely watch Celebrity Big Brother 2016 because he watched it when it was like on yeah. originally um, and just like the difference between Big this Brother and Love I'd Island it's incredible is absolutely mind-boggling like Amazing. like especially the characters in it so this is the year with like Bear and Marnie and Chloe Mafia um, <laughs> like it's just like from day one it's just like shit hitting the fan yeah yeah, like. yeah yeah um so yeah it, it, it's so entertaining and like i'm on the 18th episode of it so halfway through chloe's just been kicked out you don't you don't have to actually say uh mm. if you did anything illicit or not but how the fuck do you even find big brother from 2016 like is it easily oh. available oh online? yeah yeah you can just uh, you can just get it is it or is it just like it's got to be illicit yeah. should you it's do like a bit a, of dig dig deep no like, no it was pretty easy to find really? um i think it was like put locker okay that's illicit. Okay, that's illicit. so uh, <laughs> Sopranos fans are probably wondering why we're talking about the reality show and not the Sopranos. Do you agree, Zara, with me that it is, of course, the most overrated show of all time? Um, I don't think it's overrated. I think it's a, a brilliant show. Um, I will say I prefer it to The Wire. I think The Wire, there's a, a lot more warmth to it. Um, I find that I kind of developed like empathetic feelings for the characters in that more mm. like Sopranos like it's so hard to like someone in that because like you could like for ages I loved Christopher and then he would do some things that were not very good yeah yeah and I was like oh Christopher why are you doing this and then there was some times where I'd really like Carmela and then she would do something that would make me change my opinion yeah, of her yeah. um the end so I didn't know 
how it ended at all. I had really? n- I had no idea. Yeah. Like I like Slightly Big Brother twenty sixteen, like I know like <laughs> I'm not very good at keeping up with like televised pop culture like. Um so I was like, Yeah, no, I don't know what happens in the end and people were just like, Oh God, you're in for such a treat. And then when it happened, it was like a Sunday at quarter to midnight the thing like the, it, it ended I don't want to spoil it just in case like but it ended and I literally was just like I'm sorry that's how it ends are you actually <laughs> serious that's what happens when the soprano ends so I was I was absolutely raging like, like yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. so you got the full experience then right yeah like- yeah so I got the full experience and then the more I thought about it as the days went on I, I was kind of coming to terms with it and was like well, I suppose like it did um build this kind of feeling in me so that's quite good writing quite good writing I don't know if that makes that's fine yeah (laughs) is that okay like I say I'm not a big fan of the show I do think the ending is fucking brilliant I I thought the ending was genius I really thought it was Uh, so yeah I I think it's a perfect ending I I, I applaud it I admire it a lot I think The Wire had a much better ending yeah, yeah. Some people think the ending's a bit weak in the last season, but listen, this is a music podcast, guys. We can, we can spend all day talking about television, and uh, we're going to get to music in a moment. We're going to talk about Love Sensation, which Dahi was a part of and also a punter at. We're going to talk about the brand new and debut album from the Murder Capital, previous No Encore interviewees, and a lot more besides. But first, I was on holidays. Congratulations! Yeah, you're just congratulations. Back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just back. You had a lovely holiday. I had a great time. Yeah, it was awesome. Went did, to Toronto. Did you have any poutine? No, I didn't. I actually turned it down. What? Because I, I'm not a gravy person. Um, oh my god everyone's really upset about this my friends Josh and Eleanor and that's the first thing I should say by the way to Josh brother Josh former guest of the show and of course a member of the wedding party for Cullum's wedding in Norway came all the way over from Canada to Norway for that uh, thank you so much guys they were incredible hosts very gracious put put me up and put up with me for 10 whole days Jesus. which is no easy thing to do let's 10 be honest. days 10 of days, day days, days it's a lot isn't it <laughs> uh, but they were great it's like sequel to 500 days of summer <laughs> <laughs> They were they, they were fantastic, and I'm very very grateful for for their hospitality. Um, yes, so I was there for ten days. Uh, what was your favorite thing that you did? Oh man, I went to two wrestling shows. I went to NXT Takeover and, and a taping of Monday Night Raw. They were a lot of fun, like hilarious, like over the top fans sitting next to us, like you know, like just ridiculous running commentary from them. Like at one stage, uh, some guy does like an exploder suplex, and a guy goes, "Is that an exploder?" Like you know, just like lots of that kind of stuff. Like you know, is he going for the finish move already? Um, baseball. I loved baseball. I thought it was class. Went to Toronto, Toronto Blue yeah, Jays yeah. game, and I was kind of dreading it. I was like, "This is gonna be just so fucking boring and dull." Yeah, and it's played at a snail's pace, and I'm pretty sure I was seeing like the fucking championship equivalent of baseball. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I didn't care. You're just you're the, just the sinking beers, I, and you're just fucking. Yeah, the one thing I love about Toronto and, and America in general and Canada, obviously, <laughs> is <laughs> is the way that like you know I would love if you had like a really long game like baseball that you just sit in a bar and actually it's just there and you can actually watch it. For oh a long man, time, we went and into it's on so continuously. We went yeah. into this terrifying bar because we went to this. Uh, there was like a Chilean, I think it was, or a Latin American uh, street festival was happening on one of the days outside this kind of store, which was incredible. It was just like this bloke singing on a microphone and then there's like some bands performing. But uh, we were sitting out in the blazing hot sun because the weather was fucking beautiful over there almost every single day. And we, at one stage we were like, okay, our friend isn't on until an hour and we're sitting here baking. We got to go find somewhere. And there was nothing around this area apart from one bar called Jane's. And holy fuck. <laughs> 
straight out of The Sopranos. Like, this was a terrifying bar where I'm like, is this a front? This looks like a front. Really strange and weird and, like, look like the people in there were just going to kill you. Uh, although, four bucks a beer. Not bad. <laughs> oh, that's you know? very good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love the baseball. It was a lot of fun. Um, I went to see, uh, I went to the cinema three times while I was there and people were like, what are you doing going to the cinema for? And I'm like, I walked the fucking length and breadth of the city most days. Don't get me wrong. I really fucking did commit to this place, but I went to see, I went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood mm-hmm. twice, twice, twice. That's and a I long went. Film. Have you seen it? Yeah. And I went to see Midsummer. Yes. Just yeah, the yeah. ones. What should we talk about? Are we gonna do this now? Well, I know you don't I like have, Midsummer, and I, I love seen Midsummer. Either of them. Okay. I thought Midsummer was maybe. So the, then you can't go into too much detail, obviously. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. We'll save it for the pub, I suppose. I thought Midsummer was awful. I th- I thought it was the best film I saw this year, if not the best <laughs> film I saw. Oh I really, really want to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tragically bad. Like, I really, really liked it. Like I, th- it's, I thought it's it was really, really relatable. It's painfully and, like, terrible. Very, very well done. And it was really, really good. Ari Aster is a hack. So then did you, you obviously, if you went to see it twice, then you really, really liked it. Well, when I, went, when I went to Once Upon a Time Hollywood the first time, I knew I liked it, but I wasn't sure how much. And I kind of I kind of was coming out of being like, I wonder what, like, I was like, I was like is it, what's the point of it? I mean, like, I don't really know why you did all that QT, but, you know, who knows? Then I went to see a few days, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So went to see a few days later, and then I was like, "Yeah, no, this is this is great." You <laughs> oh didn't like it, did you? I thought it was fine. I thought it was. I thought it was quite good. I, I think thought it was. I think it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, it's Tarantino. It's obviously going to be very um, indulgent, but it was. It was like over the top indulgent. Like. I thought it was very affecting. I thought it was very emotionally affecting. What is the soundtrack? For, Pretty like? good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's quite good. No, yeah, popcorn yeah. co-host Dave Higgins was very annoyed by the film. Did not like it at all, and particularly did not like the needle drops. Thought they were very obvious. You got like Mrs. Robinson. You got Hush by Deep Purple and a few other ones. Okay. I thought it was very good. Uh, I thought it had great moments. I guess we can't really get into spoilers. That's no. for another day. Mm. Also, a new No Popcorn did drop while I was in Toronto. It's our Sing Street episode with Norma Howard. It's one of my favorite That's ones right. that yeah, we've really done. Good. And Fair you guys go back yeah. and listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, yeah. So I guess I don't want to spend too much time rabbiting on about my holiday. I had a great time. I got to unwind, and also while I was away, I got to publish the Slipknot interview with Glenn, uh, which yes, uh, was, yeah, yeah, well done. Was w- w- thank you. It meant an awful lot to me. Got a great reaction to it. Um, also, they've announced that their gig is in Three Arena on the fourteenth of January. Tickets on sale next Friday. Exciting times. Say it's going to sell out pretty fast. Hashtag spawn. Uh, no, hash, uh, Zara, I would say hashtag fan is what I would say. That's a shit hashtag. Uh, Looking for that hashtag also, gifted. Yeah. Also, uh, Dahi and I have both been so busy that we haven't had a chance to probably listen back to the audio, but we'll do that. Yeah, um, we, we'll see. we have audio and we're not sure how good it is, but uh, we may have uh, the Slipknot audio at some point. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. We'll see. But you've been very busy, as I say. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You played a Love yeah. Sensation, which While you were going to release a single and announce my album. As well, I, I listened yeah. to it, mate. You know, I'm aware of the album. I retweeted you. I know, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then it was in Love Sensation last week, uh, end which was fantastic. It Brand was, new festival, right? It was. I couldn't believe how well it went. Yeah, and I'm seeing an awful did. lot of an awful lot of kind of cultural impact positivity off this. And so, can mm-hmm. you can you explain why this is an important festival and how well it went? Yeah, so it's run by um, uh, Cormac Cashman from Mother, which is the probably the kind of the most effective uh, and like really really. Um, uh, like a, it feels like a real cultural moment at the moment in terms of like how it is as a gay club and they put on these massive big pride parties and stuff as well they're like a real real anchor point in, in the Dublin gay scene at the moment um, and they've taken this huge step up they always did a pride um, block party which was massive this year as well but this is like a full scale festival this is like like three full stages um, it's on in IMA um, the same place as Forbidden Fruit would usually be on um, and it was it was absolutely incredible it was it was just really really positive positive. 
the George had their own tent um, uh, that had like just amazing stuff on it as well then they had a dance tent which I was playing in and had like mother DJs um, the DJs from Bukaki as well um, and then the main stage then had a really big heavy hitter kind of pop lineup and I think the really big takeaway for the, from this is that this is what should be the pop festival for Dublin, right? So Lily Allen was headlining the first night um, and Kelly's was just before her. Missed Kelly's because I was clashing with her the entire time. It was like the most difficult gig of my life. But uh, but Lily Allen was absolutely incredible. Uh, Really, really good. Um, And then the day after then, uh, the Galaxy played uh, with a new show, which was really, really exciting. Um, The Gossip were supposed to play, but didn't because she fell in the airport and hurt her shoulder. So the Ooh, so gossip was cancelled. Hey, you know who didn't fall in the airport? Me. That's right. <laughs> you got and, through it all right. Well, I, I guess you could say I fell before the airport when someone didn't pick me up as they were supposed oh, yeah, to I, do. I didn't, yeah, I got trapped in my uh, apartment there? block car park. It was, a, right, yeah. it was oh, horrendous. No. I did, yeah, yeah. My car was stuck in because the, the gates got locked in. It sounds like a dog so. ate my homework story to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I wanted you to miss your flight to Toronto, basically. Yeah. So, that, was, yeah. that was definitely what, what happened. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but like low sensation, it just went so well. Well, it was like a really, really positive atmosphere. Uh, it felt really, really good and really, really special. Um, absolutely without a hitch. And uh, Yeah, I saw a lot play. of people on Twitter mm. kind of doing threads and saying stuff like they've never felt more safe and inclusive at a festival. Mm-hmm. Apparently the security were unbelievable all security weekend. Security were amazing, yeah. Uh, you could choose who you wanted to search you as opposed to... Like, yeah, non-gendered walk-ins. like oh, walk-ins great. and stuff. And, um, yeah, and like it just in general, the security were really, really friendly and it was just really, really positive. Um, it just felt really, really good. And uh, I'm really hoping, like from what I've heard like it's been so um, positively received that they're going to be doing more of it next year um, and at the same time I mean there was another incredible festival last weekend nobody was at it here from here another love story no I wasn't um, but again I heard incredible things from that as well mm. um, all around really really good good weekend for festivals it was amazing yeah an electric picnic on the horizon yeah so I believe let's, let's see how that goes <laughs> yeah I, I believe I'll be there so we'll see um, but let's not bury the lead Dahi Album comes out October the 18th. Yeah. It's yeah. called Loss. Loss, yeah. We talked about it last week on the show, but I wasn't here to give it the credit it deserves. I might have heard the album. You have heard of the album, haven't you? Yeah. I have heard the album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was trying to be coy there for a second. You know? <laughs> Spoilers. That's right, guys. It's the perks of the job. It's why I'm friends with them. Um, so I've heard the album. I'm very proud of you, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, very excited about the record. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to yeah. be great. There's a good lot of people on it as well. And I started doing interviews in the last week, kind of talking about it and stuff. And I just, the more I talk about it, the more it's like, this is really good. It feels really like there's like a, just a really good gang of people on the record. Um, and yeah, it's, it's great. I'm excited. Okay. Well, you know, the music world gives and the music world takes away, doesn't it? Because last Friday, as I was getting up at six in the morning in Toronto, which was like at 11 a.m. Irish time, uh, I was hit with about five different WhatsApp messages informing me that Otherkin, previous nemeses of mine, have <laughs> decided to hang it up. It's all over for them. And uh, contrary to what some people might think, I wasn't in celebratory mood whatsoever because uh, I'm why sl- the fuck would you be? Why would you be? Yeah, I'm not, like, like, what kind of what monster? Possible reason what, would you have? What kind of what kind of monster do you think I am? Just because I slagged them off a couple of times. <laughs> uh, but yes, other kid who've been on the go for seven years uh, took to Twitter as people do on Friday morning and said, "We have some difficult news to share. After seven amazing years together, we decided to call it a day. This band is a huge part of our lives, and while breaking up is not an easy thing to do, it's what feels right for us." We understand this may come as a shock to a lot of you and we feel you owe you an explanation. The truth is that there's no single thing that we could pin it on. The unfortunate reality is that life in a band these days is one of extreme highs and extreme lows. There's the elation of after an amazing gig to the pressure of mounting 
bills, the pride of releasing music that you've laboured over for months to the deflation of struggling ticket sales. It's all in there, and a band needs a lot of fuel in the tank to get through it. Some bands have more fuel than others, and unfortunately the day arrived where our fuel ran out. Which is pretty frank, Dahi. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's it's a way more honest and less vague uh, um, kind of statement than than most bands would give. I think. I mean, that just that idea of like that fuel in the tank thing mm. is literally it's like down to brass tacks of exactly like why you would break up as a band. I mean, if it's not if it's not going well or if it's not working, you need to be fucking almost blind, yeah. <laughs> basically. You know. And I suppose for them as well, like this is a band that they've been in, I think, since they were like in their teens. Really, so, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I. I don't know, like, I hope that the guys, like, continue to make music, whether it's in, like, different uh, projects, whether they're together doing it or not. But I don't know, like, with bands like that that have been playing together from, say, like, 15, 16, it's kind of like that, like, first relationship that you have, maybe, mm. when you're, like, 15, 16, like, you're a teenager, you're, like, learning the ropes, you're having so much fun with it, you're doing it, like, with your friends. But then you actually like go through experiences and you're completely different. Yeah. So it could be a case of just like, yeah, like they said, run out of gas. Yeah. They just like exhausted all of their like creative meldings together. Like, like I have, I haven't listened to a huge amount of other kin now. Like, I mean, how much did they change over the years? Was there that much of a change? They in were changing style a or? little bit in recent singles. They were putting out these singles in recent months. They were kind of flirting with kind of Kasabian territory, mm. I would say. Mm. And, you know, they weren't quite working as A to B narratives, but I applauded the ambition of them. But there was no traction. There was no traction on them whatsoever. They were just coming out. And if you didn't see them, then you didn't see them. And I put this to Stephen King from Fan Club when I interviewed him a few months ago, that both Fan Club and Other Clean, uh, two bands who were kind of grouped together mm. by me and by others, for better or worse, um, have kind of been swept aside and lost in the conversation and not being included in the conversations with the likes of The Fontaines and The Murder Couple, whose debut album, of course, we'll be reviewing later on in the show, and other acts like Just Mustard and Pillow Queens and Silverbacks and so on. And so when that happens and when you're not grouped in there in these articles that are popping up on Vice and on Noisy, or Noisy is Vice, sorry, and on like fucking, you know, like enemy and various other places it's not looking good for you when you've been a jobbing rock band in dublin for the last few years and so to me it was inevitable this was yeah. inevitable i mean i mean at the end of the day as well i mean that that phrase that like a jobbing work band like what is the lifespan of a jobbing work band right now probably about this length right yeah. like because it's just so fucking difficult but like, it is you know? a weird thing where like if ireland is now the new home of rock music and the new home of guitar bands why do pre-existing guitar bands get totally left out of the conversation? Yeah. Why, uh, why are fair, they pre-designated to not be cool enough? Yeah, um, uh, like I mean, but it's not just it's not just guitar bands. I mean, we even see like Laboom recently who just said that you know they announced this week that they were going to take what sounds like quite a long break to me anyway. Um, I, I think the main thing is that obviously if you're a band, you're four or five people. So mm. one of the reasons why I'm only able to do music full time is because I'm a singular person. So you don't have to split your your funds or whatever um, in, in five different ways or whatever. But um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I think we're going to see more of this. Yeah, kind of maybe as well. It's like, why aren't they like being like pegged in with that like group of say just mustard, Fontaines and whatever. Like even though they're really young, it is a kind of generational thing and these things are so cyclical that it's like, well, other kin like did have their moment where they were like the next hot thing like they had their ad yeah, their, a true. song in a rimmel ad they were probably featured on made in chelsea so they had their like 
moment that Fontaines are having now, that Murder Capital are having now, that like true, maybe yeah. in five, t- six years' time, it's going to be some other brand. Definitely, yeah. Uh, they, they got their push. You can't say that they haven't. Mm. Sometimes like, when the stripes broke up, you had some people kind of saying like, oh, like, I mean, we're seeing bands break up all the time and they need more support. The stripes got support. Other kin got support. They were pushed front and centre. Mm. And as Zara says, yeah, they featured on kind of prominent television shows. They just weren't deemed cool enough by the likes of Pitchfork, who have, of course, mm. got on board Fontaine's and various others. You do wonder if they kind of emerged this year, would they be in the same group? Because... I mean, like, if I, I never thought they were horrendous. Like, I once fucking on Facebook of all things, I once fucking put up a thing where I was like, "Congratulations to Otherkin for releasing the worst song of the year," oh, yeah. which got me into <laughs> a lot of trouble uh, in the comments, as you might imagine. <laughs> and then it became this fucking running gag. And I think I tweeted about them once when I saw them at a gig. They tend to attract a bit of a fucking ready audience, as you might imagine, for a rock and roll band. And I was kind of put off by the whole razzmatazz of it all and the mm. you know shirtless leather jacket bullshit. Uh, by all accounts, they're lovely fellas. Yeah, you know, they are like, very nice. Fair play to them but it just seems like ultimately they've made a decision here which can't have been an easy decision to make and despite what people might think I wish them well so there you go someone else I wish well on the day of her album release as this podcast comes out thank you for taking the time out of your busy Taylor Swift schedule to listen oh, to fuck us yeah I forgot about this is Taylor Swift <laughs> <laughs> his album Lover is out now and we'll be reviewing next week on the show uh, she has revealed plans to re-record her first six albums following a deal that left the master rights to her catalogue in the hands of Evil Scooter Evil Scooter Bro. damn you Scooter even Bro. his name Scooter just Bro. sounds like yeah. someone who is like an Absolute, like the anemic looking, bald villain in all leather and like the Matrix style glasses. Do you reckon he's got a monocle? He doesn't. Oh, a monocle. He has slicked back hair, doesn't he? He's like real slick back. Don't look at me like that. He's industry, music industry slick back hair. He kind of reminds me of, I was doing a little bit of reading about him today, and he reminds me of that guy from Fire Festival. Oh, Oh, yeah. What was his name? I wrote a fucking article about it. Why oh don't I God. remember? I've written about That's him. That's amazing like, that we've forgotten. His I've name. written about him like numerous times, and I've been like, is he's it like Jordan. It's, it's Billy something, isn't it? Bi- Billy. Yeah, Billy McFarlane. Billy McFarlane. Because I kept getting confused with Seth McFarlane. Yeah, and they look kind of <laughs> similar as well. Seth McFarlane's um, playing him in the fucking horrible Lifetime movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this guy Scooter. Do you know how he began his career? How. He began his career in the early 2000s organising after parties. So one of his first big jobs was organising um, the after party for Eminem and Ludacris's anger management tour. The fuck? Yeah, and then um, Jermaine Dupree got him on to um, so, uh, so So Deaf Records as like, what was it? By the age of 20, Scooter was the executive director for marketing. And then like he was just like on the up and up. And like some of like the things that he's done is like he was like organizing after parties for like Britney Spears's um Onyx tour. Like Fucking hell. Yeah, absolutely gassed off like I'm coming around to the scooter brown guy he's, like he's, he's, he's enterprising like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you've got a I assume you got some kind of swank launch night coming up for your for your album at some point I do so, yeah yeah so do maybe the, give scooter, scooter call my after party. get yeah, him yeah. involved we can all yeah. go to legs or something uh, so <laughs> according to the Hollywood Reporter during an interview on CBS Sunday morning Tracy Smith asked Taylor Swift if she will record her music in response to the deal oh yeah Swift says absolutely this was something that the fans came out like straight away being like just re-record the albums man and then they're yours and it seems like she's actually doing it do you think that in the process of her re-recording the albums do you think she's going to stick to exactly how they sounded or do you think she's going to like well, she made shush them, them up like, oh my god well, like, already, um, well hang on how, how could you possibly <laughs> <laughs> somebody did that recently though right Some, didn't somebody do that recently like re-recorded their older their old albums in a, a thing 
She also changed the lyric on the lead single to the album Kate Bush, very recently. Kate Bush recorded her, like, redid Hounds of Love, right? Like, the entire thing and re-recorded and reproduced it herself. Really? And made it a completely different thing. Maybe this is it. Maybe maybe this is the future of music. She's the new, new Kate Bush. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> she also changed the lyric on her the lead single uh, "Me" off the uh, Lover album, in which she said like, "Hey kids, spelling is fun," and she changed that one. And everyone's like, "She read the room. She learned from her mistakes." And I'm like, "No, what the fuck is going on?" Like, I mean, like this is, is this like, the the team thing? It, 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 there ain't no I in team. No. She, yeah, but it, that is the, that is the song, but she changed a different lyric in it. She changed "Hey kids, spelling is fun." Oh, really? And that's yeah. all she changed? Yes. Right. Was like, well. That was a condescending lyric, and she's made it better because she's listened to us. She's our tailor. She's great. Cool. Uh, I did enjoy your, your outrage at the there's no I in... Yeah, the, the, the lines <laughs> after that are like, girl, there ain't no I in team, but there is a me. But there isn't a me, there's an eme. <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway. we, we'll we'll be listening to the album, Dahi, because uh, are you on the show next week? Who knows? Uh, I think I might be, yeah. Okay, so we're reviewing the album next week. Zara, will you be listening to the Taylor Swift album? Absolutely not. I can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how do you feel about Lil Nas X? I mean, there's only one way to feel about Lil Nas X, and I think he is an absolute legend. <laughs> Go on, give me your hope, give me your thesis here. Um... I just think he's such a positive f- figure and force within music at the moment. And I love anyone who gets especially young kids excited about music. I think oh, that's that great. The video of him in the school is absolutely incredible. It's heartbreaking. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But like to like to have something like that as an entry level into like music is fun, music is cool. And you see the... Um, the response that they have they're so happy that it's like such a communal thing and like at the end of the day like that is like such a massive part about it and i just think he's like his personality is so he's so yeah, likable the way he's dealt with it so far yeah like he's yeah. so likable he's really funny he doesn't take himself too seriously um like he became huge from this thing called TikTok and it's the first time I've ever actually felt a bit like out of the loop yeah cause I downloaded like, TikTok a while ago now I'm did you TikTok. yeah, yeah you're yeah. still in your 20s I suppose so yeah, yeah so am I much. like yeah. but when I I was listening to um, a Rolling Stone um, their podcast and actually it was funny they were talking specifically about Billie Eilish is that how you say it? Eilish. It is Eilish. not how you Eilish. say it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you, you had all the cool kid credibility for a second there, Zara. <laughs> and then you just dropped it. Um, but it, they were specifically like focusing on those two and like how great they are for music at the moment. But they did mention how like, yeah, and like Lil Nas X, you know, he became huge off this thing, TikTok. And I was just like, like excuse me, what? <laughs> What's this Like, TikTok? what is this? Um <laughs> Yeah, I love how, like, um, on his Instagram as well, like, the first thing that I saw about it, I think, did he say, he had, like, a picture of himself, and then he captioned it, like, m- like the face when Columbia drops you when Billy, like... Yeah, yeah, when Billy... When Billy, Billy yeah, 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 yeah. He's so, like, yeah, he, he knows exactly what he's doing. He's so doing self-deprecating, right, and he's just in fun. Here. I've had enough. I've had enough of him. I've had enough of his meme bullshit. You just I've, had enough of the song, though, right? It needs or is it the whole thing? A whole thing, but especially, really? especially the song. I mean, my God, I liked it. For what a while. was wrong with the song? It's been played to less, more than death. Like whatever. Do you, but do you think beyond death? But do you think that is because the, of your, your current working? Um, That's a problem that, that like, the girls in work won't stop playing it, and they seem to. They don't seem to understand what kind of uh, life-damaging uh, problems <laughs> But surely you, of all people, should Hi. love it because doesn't it sample too? It samples Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails, yeah. yeah. It gave Nine Inch Nails their first ever number one, which, you know, cool, but like, nah. That's great. 
it's over. It's been over for months, and yet it still hobbles on. Like the but fucking th- Avengers th- movie being re-released into the I cinema. think it's, it's one of those every year. Despacito yeah. is the next one. Thing, this, right? this, is, this, is, this is the biggest. Like, this I think is the biggest this is a years. fun song. It's got a great hook. I like, think, uh, yeah. It makes me so if happy you, every time I listen to it. If you put up Old Town Road it. versus Despacito. Oh my gosh. Old Town Road. They're on the same length, right? This is a fucking... This story, This is a false equivalency. This isn't even like... This is ridiculous. What's more important, Dahi, is it's over. It's all over now. Billie Eilish has saved us. Billie Eilish has saved our lives. <laughs> uh, she has dethroned Little Old Town Road as the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 after 19 weeks. Bad Guy is up to the top. Her first number one single, which surprised me. Yeah, that and surprised she, me too. And she's the first artist to be born in this millennium to get a number one. Apparently. We're all getting very old. Oh, there you go. Apart from That's Billie Eilish, she was aging backwards. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he was magnanimous. Fair play to him. He's, or, no, sorry, Billy Ray Cyrus was magnanimous as well. Uh, Lil Nas X congratulated, as did Billy Ray Cyrus, who was you know, stealing that heat. Your persistence paid off. Thanks, everybody. It was a hell of a ride. Um, yeah, there we go. How do you feel about Billie Eilish in general, Zara? Where, where are you on that one? She's a bit divisive. Um, she... Uh, people, there are people who don't like her. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, I like, think she's quite interesting. Um, I've watched a good few interviews with her, and like, she has that combination of like very much being a teenager, but also very much having her head screwed on. And I like that. Anything that I have seen of her, like being in interviews, she is very much herself, and she doesn't seem media trained. Yeah. Like she's very open, and I really like that. And I think. In that regard, she's a really good role model. And I think her music, like, wouldn't be for me. Really? Like, yeah, like, there are, like, I remember listening to her album and there were some things that I thought were really cool. Um, I thought they were quite uh, mature for, like, considering how long she's been, like, making music, writing music, which she has been doing since she was, like, 12 or something like that. Yeah. But, like, still, that's, like, five years or so. Um, so, yeah, I just think there is a bit of a shelf life on her music. Like the first couple of times I listened to the album, I thought it was really good. But now if I'm out and about and I hear her songs, I'm I'm always kind of like, how did I think that that was in any way like grand beforehand? Yeah. So I do think it ha- it is a bit wearing. And yeah, when yeah. I saw that Bad Guy was the song that knocked off Old Town Road, I was flabbergasted kind of by really, that yeah. Yeah. yeah I think one of the best things about Billie Eilish is the fact that like you know she encourages um, pop artists to be as different as possible mm. and that's one of the biggest takeaways I think that like you know her music is so kind of completely unique her style is so completely unique that like you should be encouraging pop artists to be as diff- different from each other as possible so we don't get into the kind of the situation where we've had before. She is playing Electric Picnic next weekend. If my insider information is correct, she's not on the main stage. So not on the main. Oh, she'd be on the blue. Well, that was the instead. that was the original plan from what I was told. However, you got to figure it might be changing. And if it isn't changing, that's going to be a fucking tough tent to get I, into. I was expecting her to be. I mean, don't forget that last year Dua Lipa was not a headline act. She was third um, from the top. She was third mm. from the top, and she, she played was on the main, on the main stage. stage then, and yeah. it was the most attended fifty-five thousand people in Electric history or something like that. Yeah. And that was what I was expecting. Billy Eilish's show to be like as this well. Billy Eilish thing I mean is going to be like the hottest ticket of the weekend I would absolutely say, yeah. without question okay so Dolly, uh you have played in England this year at a festival I have it went very the, very yeah. well if you were asked by the legitimate Peaky Blinders Festival which takes place in Digbeth Central Birmingham on September the 14th and 15th to pitch up and have a go what would you say I would absolutely say yes. I absolutely would. Would you? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, of course I would. Yeah, although it wouldn't really suit me at all. No. The weird, the weird. So th- this festival is is like uh, basically it's a Peaky Binders themed festival, but they've had a, they have a lineup that I 
is actually that sounds really really good. Uh, headlining is Primal Scream. Um, Anna Calvi is also playing Slaves. Um, a DJ set from the streets, Mike Skinner, which is exactly what you would expect from this kind yeah. of thing as well. Uh, Nadine Shaw, uh, the Correspondents, uh, Electric Swing Circus, a whole pile of different Frank people. Frank Carter. Um, there's also going to be, um, from what I've heard, uh, some of the actors are going to be on on the show and well, it's and co-curated by Stephen Knight, the creator of the program, which right. is about to return for its fifth season. A show that baffles me with its popularity. Again, I write for Joe. The Joe audience cannot get enough of Peaky Blinders. They are obsessed with it. <laughs> I'd stop watching it, I think, in the first episode of season two. It's garbage. Unsurprisingly, I have never seen an episode of it. You're not missing much. Um, I thought this was, like, I suppose this is kind of how TV shows are going. Like, when I saw first that Peaky Blinders had a festival, I was like, gas but then like when you think about it like game of thrones constantly like conventions and stuff i'm sure there's game of thrones like festivals peaky blinders i mean there's several clothing lines launched off the back of it totally paul galvin's one in the duns exactly exactly which by the way (laughs) (laughs) if it's a if it's a sunday and you're hungover listener and you're looking for something to read to make you feel better about yourself look at paul galvin's irish independent how to be a man (laughs) interview from about two years ago and just read all four thousand words of the shelby duns line you mentioned clothing lines david beckham's clothing line kent and Kerwin. it's collaborating with this very festival and like i say Stephen knight who is the uh, curator of the show uh Uh, Who also, by the way, I think had a hand in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He helped create that show, which is kind of bizarre. One thing, though, about the lineup of the festival, like, I think it's really cool that there is going to be, like, debates, Q&As, like, history and political talks at it. (laughs) Who's your favourite? I'm talking. So (laughs) if you're, um, like, into history and into that, like, period of history, like, really interesting. But then the one thing that really stood out to me that I was like, why would you want to go see this is the bare knuckle fighting. Is there actually bare knuckle yeah. fighting in this thing? Fans can also expect themed bars, grand, pop-up food stalls, deadly, and even bare knuckle boxing. <laughs> <laughs> That'll probably sell me a ticket, in fairness. Uh, if, if, so if you if you had so obviously if this is successful this is obviously going to become a thing where a PR company will come into your TV show and go, look, we did this with Peaky Blinders. This will be a really good thing. So if you had a TV show that was going to have a themed festival, what TV show would you have? Love I was Island. thinking about that earlier. Love Island, obviously, right? Love Island would do well. Yeah, that's true. I would go with Sopranos, purely based on the food. The food stalls would be... Sopranos Food Festival. That's amazing. That's such a good idea. So good. (laughs) All of that ZD, all of that, like... You'd have to get... um, Twin Peaks would be an obvious one, right? Oh, yeah, Twin Peaks would be a good one. You'd have to get Instagram sensation Big Time Tommy to (laughs) MC the Sopranos one, (laughs) because he's pretty good at it. Uh, I mentioned Stephen Knight there. He was asked about unofficial copycat festivals, of which there have been many, apparently. They've all been different. I've never been to one. I don't really know anyone who has. But I've heard that some are good and some are not so good. The most important thing that I want to do with this official one was to not only make it the biggest and best, but also to bring it back to Digbeth in Birmingham. These streets are the streets where the Peaky Blinders first walked and drank and swaggered. I'm really pleased that we're bringing it back to the roots of what they really are. So there you go. (laughs) That line with the drank and swaggered. Drank and swaggered, yeah. Swaggered. I'm just going to go off and swaggered for a while. Look, we've all drank and swaggered in our day. In fact, <laughs> one of us, who will not be named, even dressed up as Cheryl Cole for Halloween once in the studio right now. I was 17. <laughs> That's class. <laughs> I was trying to remember all my uh, Halloween costumes. Was one of them Cheryl so. Cole? No, I don't know. It wasn't actually. No. Tell us about your girls' night experience. <laughs> uh, to be fair, it was absolutely gas. Like, I loved it. Um, how, I, do you, how do you dress up as Cheryl Cole for Halloween? <laughs> um... 
So I had a gold sequined mini dress or a mini skirt that I had a white t-shirt tucked into and a big massive like thick red belt <laughs> a la like 2007. Um, I used the shampoo. I used the L'Oreal Elvive shampoo that she had out at the time. <laughs> Just because I was like, you know, maybe it'll like have that voluminous effect. Yeah. Yeah. I also um, got the Cheryl eyelashes (laughs) that you could get. (laughs) So I had her eyelashes. Um, My favorite part was, oh yeah, I got a massive like fake diamond for my, because at the time she was married to Ashley Cole. Um, And then I also got like permanent marker and I drew the like barbed wires on my leg. I had like a hand (laughs) tattoo. Um, And also I think this is, probably the most important part of my costume was that I would go up to or if I was talking to people they'd be like who are you dressed up as and I would just go dull limp lifeless come on girls let's do our hair some good or whatever oh, the thing was, was. Like, that's so perfect and hang then on, they'd be on, like oh my god you're Cheryl Cole <laughs> did you get into a race-based assault in the bathroom by any chance <laughs> no it's a very civilized event like it's very civilized um Dahi, why are we talking about Cheryl Cole um Cheryl Cole is no longer relevant apparently according to Madame Tassad's uh, wax museum <laughs> Uh, basically, she's her her wax uh, model has been removed from the London base of the Madame Tussauds, um, and they say she may no longer be relevant, which is what everybody jumped on pretty pretty intensely. Um, so yeah, Cole's waxwork has been updated several times since it was unveiled, uh, and it was wearing a tiara and red dress, and they removed it uh, in the last week. Um, I think one of the main reasons is because they replaced her. It seems like with another pop star, which is Dua Lipa, who just turned twenty four. Happy birthday, Dua Lipa! Happy birthday, Dua Lipa! Is she only twenty four? Yeah, twenty four. Yeah. Scary, isn't it? I have to say, I found this. I actually found this story really, really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Not because, obviously, you know, I've got Your connection. I've Your got past. I've got history. <laughs> Were you like, am I relevant? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, I just thought it was so inhumane and. Like so, like secondary school, like yeah, for their yeah, excuse yeah. to be. She wasn't put down. No, but the no, quote but is it, such well, a like, bitchy she thing. She was to verbally do, like. put down. Where they, like, <laughs> yeah. Madame Tussauds of all places, are like, you're not relevant anymore. Like but that's so they horrible. Have a screening process. They say we are constantly reviewing our collection of figures. To and yet best they represent. have Michael Jackson still in there. Like that's horrendous. Do you think there's like a King big? Pop, th- yeah. Is there a big button in Madame Tussauds that says no longer relevant, and they just like, hit it, and so then suddenly sad. it comes down through like, the floor? Like. Because at the end of the day, like. Cheryl Cole, while she might not be like, you know, thrown out the hits, she isn't as success, like not success, she isn't as prominent in yeah. like the public eye. So like, but she was she not the that nation's sweetheart? And obviously she, not this course. nation's sweetheart. But it's so harsh what, to the be nation like of Newcastle, like. The nation of England. Cheryl Cole was never. Are you she mad? Absolutely she was. was sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. she uh, she absolutely <laughs> I was. Yeah. So. I went through a brief period during my 17th year so of really having like I don't know what it was but she was just so like funny and like sweet and like har- not like harmless but like she just seemed like quite a nice person I feel like we've we, 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 we're at cross purposes here I feel like I, I saw a different rise to stardom uh, so hang on but she's still going by Cheryl Cole which I find strange because like she's changed name like 17 she, times no she's Cheryl now but this is Cheryl Cole. And so her she, artist name just, is Cheryl. Her, right. yeah. And I think this is just the son 
and then because I think she went back to Tweedy. She also had Cheryl Fernandez Verzini at one stage. She did, yeah. And she was originally Cheryl Tweedy, which, much to my chagrin, she got involved with Ashley Cole and Mm. not, in fact, Man United legend Mikel Silvestre. Because I wanted like a, a half three in the morning shot of them stumbling out of a nightclub in the sun, complete with the headline of Sylvester and Tweedy. That would have been fucking amazing. Oh, it no. never happened. No, just wrong. So it was. Not Look, great. I think Cheryl, like I think is really harsh and I hope that she is not taking this too much to yeah. heart. But look, you've got to fight, fight, fight. Fight for this <laughs> statue. Because Cheryl is worth... Ha- what if it's worth Cheryl is worth having <laughs> so it's worth fighting for <laughs> wow. also in my 17th year I bought that album three words wow three, the title track the, the title track is yeah. a belter I, I, I've been on this hill for a long time the one with Will I Am it's a great song and if it was written by like say if it was put out by like St. Vincent and Bon Iver you'd all be saying it was class oh. speaking of relevant pop stars Will I Am is a waxwork uh, in Madame Tussauds currently yeah, he's relevant. Oh yeah, he's is huge. He, is he relevant? He's, he's stood the, the voice, test of time. <sighs> yeah. There's also uh, Zoe and Alfie, which are YouTube celebrities. They're I've never heard of them. Zara, get over there and get that statue when they chuck it in the bin. Bring yeah. it home. Yeah. Bring, bring, her home. bring it back. Uh, Melt her down and make loads of candles. Peter Andre is also in the Blackpool one. Yeah. Yeah. How is Peter Andre relevant? Yeah. No, it's the Blackpool one though, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Look, it's been a tough week for Cheryl Cole. <laughs> Actually, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Tough week for me as well over here, but go on. Um, so aside from like reading all these news stories, I went on to um, an Irish news publication that won't be named. And uh, the first headline, which I actually found quite spooky, was that three uh, heads from the Wax Museum in Dublin had been stolen. Yes, yeah, I just saw that. That happened today, right? Yeah. The guards caught them just walking down the street with the heads. Do we know whose heads they were? Oh, yeah. One of them was uh, the WikiLeaks guy, right? Julian Assange. Assange. I think Julian Assange's head. (laughs) Or maybe that was a joke that I saw on Twitter. Maybe it it just looked like like Julian Assange. Why would, be, hang on, hang on, hang on. Why yeah. would there be a waxwork of Julian Assange? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Are you joking? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's pretty like fucking like some like revolutionary who looks like him. <laughs> who looks like Julian Anyway, Assange. look, I'm moving this show on. Wolf Town. Also, <laughs> also disrespected this week where the thrash, Julian thrash metal legends Slayer, okay? Uh, they had got involved with NASCAR, America's favourite pastime, and they were supposed to basically emblazon uh, a car. Emblazon. With, with, with the big Slayer logo. You can only emblazon something on a car, really. <laughs> I feel that it didn't happen I feel that NASCAR really missed out on something and by going with Slayer they should have gone with um, Lil Nas X and had Lil Nas X Na- Lil NASCAR X oh wow <laughs> that okay. is good that's pretty good but it was supposed to be Slayer and their guitarist Kerry King commented and said NASCAR racing and Slayer have a lot in common both are extreme <laughs> both, both are extremely fast intense and aggressive I can think of nothing more rad than seeing the Slayer logo <laughs> Go on Rick's car with JJ behind the wheel. I'm sure disciples of everyone involved will be completely stoked on the bond between these two fierce entities. Definitely written by a marketing collective there. Uh, the driver, JJ Yelly, commented saying, I'm super pumped and everyone was really happy. But only a day before the event, the car company split up its partnership with Slayer over, quote, reactionary concerns. Releasing a statement saying, unfortunately, Slayer's brand image and beliefs and Rick Ware Racing and our longtime partner's image and beliefs do not align. As a team owner, we thought it would be best to forego the partnership. 
We wish nothing but the best to Slayer and their fans and wish the band a successful final world tour. So there you go. Did you see the um, the other thing that Slayer said in their statement afterwards where they were like, after four, nearly 40 years, Slayer apparently remains as terrifying to some as ever. <laughs> it's good, I, I think it's it's pretty good publicity on their on their farewell tour. Slayer are one of those bands that like don't really need to still be going, but they've got some mm. belters in their day. What do you think constitutes reactionary concerns uh, what do you think was what do you think was going on behind the scenes I don't know now as Cara well enough to make this statement but I get the feeling that it attracts some kind of bible belt people in the states who would watch the type thing and Slayer oh, obviously very like Slayer really well really? Slayer are like really anti yeah anti-religious religious, yeah. yeah so I feel like you got probably going to be with her who are like you know pretty pro-god but do you think that that would be because Slayer weren't going to perform at the event no it was just their fucking name yeah. and logo on a car <laughs> it's all so it, it has to have been something it also looks pretty good that, like, yeah, and then the, the alternate version just has like the word pods on it which is no good at all <laughs> no good for anybody um, oh yes we will now race to songs of the week uh, three up as always we'll start off with Dahi's choice this week which is a combination uh, two men have teamed up before and they're teaming up again it's Kojak and Luca Pam and they've rented an Airbnb <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, uh, this week for Songs of the Week, I mean, like, sometimes you get those weeks where there's just not a lot happening, and we had some other ones that I figured, oh, we've kind of covered them already before, there's some albums coming up, let's not overdo it, and also what new can you say about the new Rosalia track? So essentially, we came down mm. on this one, Dahi, yeah. uh, and I said to you at one stage, I think this is the one that we should go for, because I think there's a talking point on this one, and the talking point on this one is, it's fucking dreadful. Mm. Do you think? Oh, it's embarrassing. I'm glad that I wasn't the only one who thought that, yeah. Like, this is really bad okay i didn't think it was really bad but i definitely think that their previous um track date night is much better and i was actually when i um pressed play on this song today i actually couldn't get over how american it sounds see this is the thing like it sounds so like reggaeton like trap um so so it's it's the opener to this new um project that they're working on together they're basically releasing an album called green diesel yeah um and i have a feeling that that is going to be a much more pop driven record than say delhi trade dreams was or Mm. anything that luke palm is doing at the moment it does seem like and even if you look at the visuals and stuff you kind of have to look at these things with the visuals as well because it's mm. kind of so part and parcel with what they do. Mm. It definitely feels like a much more pop um, leaning thing. I mean, this is a really set, proper, like mm. chorusy kind of refrain kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I have a feeling that that the rest of the record is also going to be like this. I think it's going to be a much more pop driven thing. You know. Yeah, I was kind of like I was really wary about it because um it just sounds so overproduced mm. and it just sounds like it's trying to fit into a market that is already so huge especially in it's like yeah. in in the states and like over here as well to a certain extent and like it reminded me of say like Reggie Snow whose yeah. album say like Dear Annie it had that similar like transatlantic um motif all throughout it yeah and one thing that like while it took me a bit of time to warm to Delhi Day- Daydreams um I did love it because mm. it was so intrinsically Irish and 
Dublin centered. Yeah, and that is a fair point with this yeah. as well. Like this is more. I mean, it sounds like it was written from the experience of the road, which is yeah. singularly the most boring thing a rapper can yeah. talk about. Uh, but like, yeah, and and yeah, there's a weird thing as well where you can definitely see there's like a crystallization of of what they're gonna do with their characters as well. I find like mm-hmm. you see like Luca Pam is now he's getting more of a unique voice which he didn't have before, and then he also has this kind of he's being the kind of the very serious person while mm-hmm. while um, Kojak is the more comedic person around the side which I think is actually mm-hmm. quite a nice motif and I think it works well with two people kind of doing a project together mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I would probably agree with you in that like there's none of the the like Irish relatable charm thing yeah. like that, that worked really really well on Daily Daydreams yeah. I think I also, um, yeah it's weird I also think it's maybe two months too late I think yeah. if this song had have come out maybe like the end of May, start of June, mm-hmm. it would have kind of had a bit more of an opportunity to take off because it really has that like summer holidays. Would you vo- call it a summer jam? Oh, I don't know if I would call it a summer jam because it's the too lethargic. Like. Of the summer. Well, no, that was Lil Nas X. Wait, didn't I come in like January or something? Sign of the year. Fuck, really? Um, I disqualified it from my song of the year. Anyway, yeah. So like I think that it could have like maybe taken off a little bit more had it been earlier because as I say here it's a it could have been a big one for the kids and the clubs during the summer <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the Cheryl Coles says Cheryl Coles <laughs> uh, yeah I thought it was I thought it was empty posturing and thus we will move to the next song hmm. which is Zara's choice it's Kim Gordon this track is called Sketch Artist <laughs> No when chimes strike, your dead stare strikes. And the wind chimes strikes, and your dead stare strikes. In the day, in the sunlight, dreaming in a tent. Sketch as if you're enjoying it. <laughs> go on, sorry. Go on, sorry, go on. Go on. Sketch as. <laughs> because it's sometimes some of the words just snap in. Oh, Sketch as. <laughs> all right. None of this, Eve. Or if it's funny, I don't, I don't know. Maybe all of it. Keep it all in. Sketch as. <laughs> no, you went all done dog there. Sketch as. Sarah, why'd you bring this track to the table? Okay, so I brought this track to the table. As you were saying, it was quite a thin week. Um, Kim Gordon is. So Sonic Youth are a band that I have kind of, I was about to say shamefully, but like there's no shame to it. Like I, I'm not that familiar with them. Um, and I've started to listen to them uh, recently as I've been going for uh, runs w- in the park, which I have to say Sonic Park, Sonic Youth on a run is not great. Like <laughs> not a good combination, <laughs> but I'm trying to stick with it. Um so yeah, so she has seen Sonic Youth's um hiatus with since like two thousand and nine, I think it is. Um she's been doing like loads of different bits. She was in Body Head with Bill Nace. They've got three albums. Their most recent one, The Switch, is actually really class. Um she's been doing a lot more like art based um projects. And I think that this kind of trickles into this song, Sketch Artist, because so this is from her first solo album she announced that the other day 
which is going to be called No Home Record, which is coming out in October. And it's produced by a guy called Justin Raisin, who, interestingly enough, uses Brian Eno's oblique strategies when he's in the studio. Oh, I love that. Thing. Yeah. So I kind of like after I learned that, I was wondering if maybe some of that was happening with this yeah. track, because like there's just so many different parts parts to this song and so many layers to it and yeah. so many textures and like so many juxtapositions of like light and dark synthetic sounds and quite natural sounds and like, we, we should say that oblique strategies is basically like yeah. a kind of a set of cards that Brian you know made right mm. um, where basically you open it up and it kind of gives you a kind of a theme or a rule for to do the next creative thing basically you can get an app for it which is really really good I highly recommend Sorry. Yeah. have you tried it? yes I have it on my phone all the time yeah, yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's amazing. Really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. use any of it for the album? Uh, not this album. I got it after the album. So, next album. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's a like it's a very industrial song. I feel it's very it nocturnal. Yeah, it, it really is. But then is, yeah. at the same time, there's some really. This is what sold it for me um, with this song is the like where it kind of veers off a little bit and it does the really nice like string parts. Yeah. And then there's yeah, like yeah. a part that's like really really um like kind of like oh, it, it sounds like that feeling you know when you're about to cry and your nose and your eye tear ducts um vi- like vibrate they like get all fuzzy like yeah, yeah. kind of had that similar like heightened sense of like emotion to it where it's like um kind of like keys and also like some like uh, uh guitar plucking or whatever but like because so much happens in it and there's so much going on in it, you feel like the song is maybe like five minutes long. Yeah. And then I was like, how long is this song actually? And it's like two minutes and really? 51 seconds long. That's yeah. So she released it with another song. Um, actually, I can't remember what that song is called. But the contrast between the two is so strange. Like the mm. second one sounds like... A v- this is another thing actually about this song. It really uh, reminds me of Half-Life. Do you remember that video yeah, game yeah. on? It had that real like atmospheric you're on a mission in some like yeah. dingy warehouse. Like it had that kind of video game yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Sa- sound. And that was the same with the other song. But the other song is like, I really didn't like it at all. Like it has this kind of like early 2000s emo kind of really? Yeah, it's it's a really weird couplet to come mm. out like I love, as uh, I love industrial I love Half-Life and I really liked this uh, real quick Sarah before I move to our next track what is good for running in the park what would you recommend um, what have I listened to that was good oh uh, Pavement is actually really good to run to but I'd hear Stephen Malkmus' voice and I'd run anywhere <laughs> <laughs> our final song this week <laughs> is Bat for Lashes she's back the song is called Jasmine No, it's not a Joy Paul, J Paul, whatever you want to call him. Craig isn't here this week. He's in New York cover. It is instead a glacial ice pop stump, which is sub three minutes, which I quite enjoy. Dahi's mm. giving me a bit of a squint over here. 
Like I, I, for some reason, I've, I haven't really listened to a lot of Bat for Lashes, and also it seems like every single time I try and go to see her play, she's cancelled a gig in Dublin or at a festival or something like that. But it's this is an extremely eighties type mm. track that doesn't seem to do anything other than that eighties thing, and I think the the revisit of the eighties in the last ten years has been done to death at this stage, and I think mm. it like it just like from down from the synths to the way the drums are mixed to the way it feels to the vocal delivery, it's just it feels like an eighties pullback, and you just I really really think at this stage you have to do something with that eighties aesthetic to make it new and interesting, and this Rather really really did for me. Just dress up in it, basically, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really wasn't into it. Yeah, I was really shocked by this. I. I was gonna say I really like Bat for Lashes, and it's more so that I like Bat for Lashes. Like I remember when Fur and Gold came out, I was fourteen, and it was the first time so I bought that album as well as the Cheryl Cohen, mm-hmm. and it was the first time I kind of felt like I was listening to something that was weird because that album was so weird. But yeah. I also thought again that she was like a really cool person to like admire and look up to because like loved her voice. I thought her sound was cool. Um. I liked that she had like now since she's done other things like she's directed films, she's done like fashion design or whatever. Um, I also really liked the last album that she did, The Bride. So I think like the key thing with like her music, Natasha Khan's music is that it's so character driven and it's so it's progressively getting more cinematic and more storied where like the bride was literally like a story of a a woman whose husband dies the day of their wedding or they get married and then he dies in a car crash and it's just like each song then is like another chapter which is really interesting to listen to and she said that this album I think it's Lost Girls is that Mm. the fifth album she said that this is a younger mischievous sister to that album and you do kind of like I did get glimpses of that, especially in the lyrics. There's like a few of the lyrics where it's like talking about a woman who's like driving off and it it did tie in for me. Mm. But I have to say it like this song didn't work for me really. Like like you were saying, it's just a bit it's a bit too eighties. Like yeah, yeah. it also reminds me a bit of Shaka Khan, which like <laughs> which, which is, is uh, also a different can, but like <laughs> but what did you like think I thought it was fine. I mean, like, it was between this and it was between uh, Norwegian producer Lindstrom put out yeah. a new track this week, which was like a 10-minute epic of not much. But I enjoyed it. And I figured this was the more palatable one for the group. And I guess I was wrong. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> if I may talk about the Lindstrom track for a second, uh, it sounds like Paul's music in a day's X game, which I very much enjoyed. Okay, cool. This is fine. Uh, I just figured it was like, oh, it's it's upbeat, it's vibrant. But yeah, the more I listened to it, the more the gloss kind of became a problem and became yeah. more of a film around the track and yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. yeah it's not really mm. going anywhere is it? I, I know what you're saying Zara I've always kind of admired Baffer mm. Lash, Lashes from afar and she's had some incredible work but a difficult artist to warm to I'm not sure if that's necessarily her fault or if it's a bad thing quote unquote but like oh, I don't agree I think she like I find her quite a warm I find her a very intriguing person she's definitely someone that like when I see a headline about her and it's about like something that she's up to. I am always really interested to know what she's doing because I think that when she does something really well, I think she's brilliant. And I think she has a very kind of like David Lynch mm. aesthetic and um, influence going on, which I really like and um, which was really evident in the last album. But here it's just a bit lost. But one thing... Uh, 
that I did love and I really enjoyed doing today was going through all of her albums to see all the song titles that had uh, names in them. The list includes (laughs) (laughs) Priscilla, Sarah, Daniel, Pearl's Dream, Laura, Marilyn, Joe's Dream and Jasmine. There you go. All her buddies. Daniel is a fantastic song. Uh, Look, if you want to talk about an artful aesthetic that some people might consider pretentious and off-putting. Well, it's our album of the week, isn't it? It's a Dublin fivesome called The Murder Capital. The album is called When I Have Fears. Let's have a listen to Don't Cling to Life. Fears, the debut album from the Murder Capital, a band that had been talked about quite a lot this year. They were guests of No Encore in an interview that proved quite divisive, I would say. Uh, quite a big reaction to that one. Some people thought that they were quite abrasive and silly and a bit rude. I wasn't really kind of put out either way, but yeah, what can you do? One thing that did come up in that interview, though, was the album. They talked a lot about the album, talked a big game about the album, and when the album came out, people would understand effectively. So, yeah, if you've been sleeping under a rock, uh, James McGovern is the lead singer of this band. He was doing solo stuff while he was a student at BIM, uh, put Murder Capital together over the past year and a bit, um, began to get the hype that he wasn't getting as a solo artist. Like I say, they've been lumped into the kind of new guitar revival in Dublin. An awful lot is expected of them, getting a lot of uh, attention in the UK as well. And... The album, I guess, isn't quite on the Fontaine's level, even in terms of the press reception it's getting, but it's not a million miles off, and they are kind of like the the silver medal of that kind of group, I suppose. I mean, they might not be fair to lump them with the Fontaine's, but that's what's happening, whether it's this show or whether it's other journalists. It's just the way of things. Fontaine's, we talked about to death, not a big fan of them. This, however, I quite enjoyed. Am I alone? I wonder. No. Um, I was actually quite shocked how much I warmed to this album and one thing that I have had to um, learn this year and last year maybe as well is to try and go into albums and songs with more of an open mind and less of um, a prejudice because I might think a band is very stylized or I might think it's nonsense or I might think it's very like yeah, so vacuous. The marketing would get yeah, in the way exactly. Of, yeah. Like listening to, like I remember listening to that interview with them, and um, some of the things that James was saying infuriated me. And like as you were saying, Dahi, like I wouldn't go for a pint with them. I was in the exact same boat. Mm. I was just like, this to me seems like a very spoilt brat opinion and um, quite entitled kind of mentality to have. 
Um, of course, as well, we have the whole BIM thing which is legged on with fontaines and I suppose like some people are maybe a bit cynical in how they kind of see people who have come from BIM and that like they're very um industry savvy as opposed to music savvy which I mean that's it's a great thing that musicians now are getting a good insight and, and an education into into the industry like I suppose, like, going back to the news with Taylor Swift, like, she was 16 when she signed that contract and now look what she has to do. Mm -hmm. She has to re-record all her albums. Like, I was shocked by... I was shocked by it because I found it so... I found it really easy to listen to, but at the same time, I also was reminded a lot of bands that I really liked when I was, say, 15, which... At the, which kind of put me off this, put me off the murder capital as a as a good songwriting band. I think when you listen to the album, and obviously like part of their whole mystique is that they're incredible live. I haven't seen them live, but at any time I've ever heard people talk about, them yeah, they're always like they're incredible live. And these songs lend so well to a live show where they will just like let a guitar riff go on for a few more minutes than like what some bands would do. So like there's a lot of, the instrumentation on this is very live friendly, but I think that like within the songs you can piece out parts of songs that other bands have done. Mm -hmm. So there was a good few times where I was just like, this sounds exactly like um, Girl Band, like in the opening song. The guitar sounds so like um, the guitar guitar from Paul. Not only that, but like that track for everything. The intro, the very very that song is the intro to "Relationship of Command" by At the Drive-In. Mm. It's Ak Arsenal, I think, is the name of the track. It's almost identical. It's phenomenal. Yeah, but it's almost identical. And there's quite a few times where, like, even um, like when I was listening to it and like really kind of like dismantling the songs, like I was. Uh, like drawn to editors and white lies and it's uh, funny actually flood who produced this album was in the studio at white lies at the same time so kind of felt that maybe there was a bit of a crossover in that which i didn't expect i never thought that i would be like yeah the murder capital is like editors and white lies and then there was like on twisted ground that really reminded me of the frames there's like a bit with yeah. like the violin where it's so like the frames and then there is the um, How the Streets Adore Me Now, which sounds as if it's like um, an imitation Tom Waits song. So there was just, there's even like a few, I can't remember what song it was, but when I was um, on my way over, I, it, it, I was like, Jesus, this song sounds quite like um, second, third album in like Radiohead. Like they have, they... Just, they just seem to be cut and pasting. Do you think they're magpies? I think they're a highly stylized band who are still trying to find their own voice and their own style. And I think that th- this is probably an album that's a product of being quite young and being like I love this I love how this sounds I want my music to sound like this and there's not enough freedom for them to kind of be silly or spontaneous or experimental in their music 
because I think that they take themselves far James McGovern I think takes it far too seriously in that like not allowing comparisons to other bands like him giving out about being laboured with an idol's comparison and stuff yeah like I think I think I'm kind of on the same on the same wavelength I mean there's very few albums that I can describe from listening in the last like year or year two years of doing no encore that I could say without a shadow of a doubt like this is one of those albums that is just absolutely not for me yeah <laughs> because but I think and I was trying to think about it while I was listening to it as well I was try- trying to figure out it's like why am I really really not why is this really not grabbing me like I can I can recognize the sounds I can recognize that they have a very distinct style it also mm. does feel like very much like they've worked these songs out together as a five person band if mm. you know what I mean and like that's all commendable and I say it sounds amazing live I think one of the main things for me that generally what I really really go for in music is is both melody and really interesting production and any time that Murder Capital start getting into a, like the high points of the record and when they try and build up to these big crescendos mm. they try to throw melody out of the way and go much much harder and kind of ignore the melody side and then when they come back down again back into melody then I'm a little bit more on board mm. um, there was that track that uh, that um, uh, Twisted Ground for instance like I think the melodies on that was absolutely incredible mm. and actually I would have really loved to have seen that as like a full band song I think that would be that would become one of these really classic great Irish rock songs yeah. similar to something like Whipping Boy or something like yeah. that Um just for for me like the production as well is just extremely bare bones there's absolutely nothing new happening here mm-hmm. and I think that might be one of the reasons as well why I mean you, you're saying as well that you've heard stuff like this before you're, yeah. you're catching back stuff you can relate it really easily to other bands and to me it's because this is not like a studio album it doesn't feel like an album what they've they've worked on in a studio and found new ways of delivering these songs these feel very much like five lads working together and you know like at the end of the day this is a debut album of a Mm. bunch of lads who've just kind of got together like recently so I don't really know if I could expect more than this but overall it just it like there was no part of it that really really struck me as very very interesting from a production point of view Mm. melodies I felt like I'd seen before and any time that they got down to really really interesting stuff um, they tended to kind of shy away from it a little bit I really like slow dance like the, those two pieces together yeah that was really nice as well but again it just kind of like anytime they got into the melody thing they just started running away from it and went hard instead the sound alikes are definitely there I mean uh, slow dance too in particular like is a great instrumental that I really really enjoyed mm. and it's mm. extremely post rock it sounds like this will destroy you or explosion in the sky to a degree not quite on their level but definitely singing from the same hymn sheet on Twisted Ground the track that both of you have mentioned is a track that I kind of struggled with it's six minutes long it's funereal and it actually reminded me of all things a hell is for heroes song called slow song which i remember playing in uh, my mother's car back in the day yeah. and uh, very slow very modern how many songs were related to each <laughs> yeah. one but i remember, yeah. but I, remember yeah. I remember playing that track i remember exactly where i was on the fucking stretch road that i was on when my mother said what the fuck is this and <laughs> destroyed <laughs> destroyed both the song and my Put con- on some Cheryl Calder. destroyed the song and my confidence <laughs> In one fell swoop, <laughs> and I was unable to listen to that song ever again. Oh my god! Yeah, it was horrific. Uh, so basically, this album, yeah, I mean, it's hard to get away from sound likes. I didn't 
struggle with that too much, even though they are there. I think for debut, it's very fucking good. I think the instrumentation, as Ara has alluded to, is extremely strong. Mm. The drummer is fucking excellent. Incredible, yeah. Like, really impressive. He's a really good yeah. drummer. Uh, who was present in the interview, present being a bit generous, but, you know, he was there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, a lot of it will come down to how you feel about James McGovern's voice and his general air of pretentiousness and presence. I mean, for some people, he's the new beat poet that we can all get behind. And for other people, they'd be like, no, he's an art student. I want nothing to do with him. Uh, I was with him here and there. I thought he has some great moments. Lyrically, I can't quote you a lyric because I can't think of anything that he said that was profound at all. But uh, over 10 tracks, which again, always welcome, uh, it coalesced for me. And by the end of it, I was definitely like that was a strong closer, strong opener. It flowed well. Again, not to belabor the point here, but if you're going to compare it to Dog Roll by the Fontaines, this to me wins every single fucking day. I, I would, yeah, I would completely I would agree. Completely. Oh, it's so superior to the Fontaines. It's not even funny. Like I can't listen. I I'm definitely to... still coming out as the most positive Fontaines person on this podcast for fucking ages. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I it's way more melodically better. Better songs. I can't even bring myself to entertain the thought <laughs> of listening to the Fontaines. <laughs> oh, I just so think fun. that they are so 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 vacuous and I think that well, see this is the thing as well like for for me and it's weird we probably shouldn't be getting into the Fontaines thing while we're talking about it's Murder it's hard Cow, not to but mm-hmm. it is hard not to but the thing about the, Font- the Fontaines kind of like style of over seriousness to me has become almost a little bit comedic at this point to the point where like when I saw them live I actually really enjoyed it because it, <laughs> it almost went the other side whereas Murder Capital don't have that for me at all and like like they're just it's just so deep and dark that track like How the Streets Adore Me Now I I just could not take that seriously. That is really? a ridiculous, ridiculous song. I'm sorry now, but like... Why is it ridiculous? Because he, he's singing solo and I know it's on purpose, but like you're just way out of your range, honey. Like fucking like, seriously. Like, like just get rid of it. Like, <laughs> I was at Love Sensation for too long. Uh, but like it was ridiculous. Like it just sounds so silly. It sounds so dumb. I have to say actually that... Um, Okay, so the two or three times where this album worked for me and like swayed me a little bit to be more favourable is Slow Dance 2, the instrumental, uh, How the Streets Adore Me Now, which is like a piano-led melody, and also on Twisted Ground to a certain extent. I liked how on Twisted Ground sounded a bit like a demo, but then also ventured somewhere towards the end with the strings that I just did not expect at all but afterwards so after a couple of times listening to the album and continuously going back to those three songs and always being like why do what is it about these songs that I like and why um, are these the songs that I enjoy the most in this album and then I had like a thought where I was like okay with each of these songs a key component to what is in the murder capitals like MO is absent so for me that was like okay I like these because they're not really murder capital songs mm. if that makes sense so like with uh, Slow Dance 2 yeah. James isn't even on it like, yeah, 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 and yeah. it's like I enjoyed that break from him because I found his delivery I find his vocals really um, abrasive and very I'm not one that's easily intimidated like at all by anyone Maybe my mom sometimes if I'm in trouble. <laughs> but like, I found him very intimidating and I found it really hard to like, 
engage with him and engage with his lyrics. And I think, Dave, like you were saying, I can't actually recall a single lyric because I just felt that between me as a listener and James as the singer, I had no bond. Yeah. And like, say. Do you not think he would think that is a strength, though? I, and it might even be a strength live, you know, that might actually be a thing that would be good live. But on recording, I can see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Right? To be honest, I think he wouldn't give a flying <laughs> Nelly what he thought. You can the show. You've done it before. I'd rather not. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, so there is just a guard there. Like, it, do, it like... Well, it slightly pains me to say it, like, I enjoyed this more than I thought I would, but what I enjoyed is not what I expected. Yeah, yeah. So, like, also in those moments, it sounded kind of like those are the times where they were enjoying being in a band, and, like, you kind of got a bit more of a raw insight to them. Like, how two of those songs sound quite like early stage songs. And I liked, especially with... um, how the streets adore me now. I kind of liked how that was the only moment where I felt like I was in the same room even as James, where I was like, I can actually kind of try and picture him doing this song, Mm. which was the first time I actually felt any engagement with it. Well, I was engaged. Uh, I think it's good. I will return to it. It's a 7.5 from me. I'm going to give it, because I think it's like a really confident debut, and the musicality, like they're really good um, musicians and you can't fault that and you can't take that away from them. But like, I think it's a five for me. Yeah, um, it's just absolutely, absolutely not for me, but I can understand why somebody who would um, be into this sort of thing would, would like it. So I'll give it a four. Wow. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, other you're not expecting that, were you? Were you expecting a different... Uh... I didn't know what to expect, to be fair. <laughs> I, I, but I think that's a good thing. Like, I'm, I'm of the opinion that healthy discourse is healthy discourse. Absolutely. I also knocked it down quite a few points because I think that um, they should have finished the album with How the Streets Adore Me Now. I would agree with that, but I do like the last track, Love, Should've Love, Love. the vocals from How the Streets Stormy Now. Okay, right. Okay, listen. The fucking like, back off now, yeah? <laughs> Step outside, shall we? <laughs> okay, honey. She's going with fucking Egypt. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so my terrible vocal choice. Like, it was such a good song and then, like, ruins it with really... This episode of No Encore was engineered by our sonic architect, Eve Murray, who saw you at the fly, I believe. Yeah. Thank you. Dahi yeah. killed it in Drada, of all places. <laughs> in the other listening corner this week, fresh off the back of the masterpiece that is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I've been listening to a lot of Quentin Tarantino-related music from his soundtracks because, holy shit, that guy can pick a tune. I know a big criticism of the man, one of many, and maybe, maybe valid too, is that he basically just plays his record collection, but when your record collection is that good and you've introduced the world to some great stuff, I'm all for it. Bats are an Irish band who've been on the go for a long time, kind of an underground act. They have an album coming up in October called All nature that fell into my inbox this week and I've been listening to that it's good and loud is all I will say for now and also this week Interpol's debut album Turn On The Bright Lights which they've never bettered in my opinion turned 17 years young 17 dressed up as Cheryl Cole for the occasion and (laughs) uh, that's a hell of an album amazing it's a great great it's a great fucking record Zara what have you been listening to I have been listening to, um, I've returned actually to quite a few albums. I returned to Bill Callahan's most recent album. 
which is really great because I'm going to go see him in September, which I'm really excited about. So I've listened to that album a lot, uh, Fionn Regan's new album. And also it would be incredibly remiss of me to say that today I had a discovery thanks to a friend of the show, host of No Popcorn, Dave Higgins. Bumped into him last night and he gave me an incredible music recommendation, which I cannot thank him more for introducing into my life. And that is Mr. Bungle. Wow! Ooh, good stuff. I, I, are you generally on the Mike Patton train, like Fate No More, or anything like? I only got a few songs into the album California. Okay, but the first song in that album, class. Ooh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like like Higgs is a big Mike Patton guy. Like, was he was he a bit drunk? Uh, um, I can just see him very enthusiastic. Drink had like, been taken. Yeah, I can see him very enthusiastic. <laughs> being like, gotta get into fucking Mr. Bungle, man. Um, yeah, get into Fate No More while you're at it. They're also yeah. very good. Good stuff. Um, uh, so in the years, for years and years and years when I've needed to sleep when there's something loud going on like a festival or when um, there's somebody in my tent or in my room or something snoring like crazy, I listen to, uh, in headphones, uh, Sigur Rós's Tack, that album, and that used to always help me sleep. And then in the last couple of weeks, Sigur Rós released a specific album specifically for sleeping. And it's called Liminal Sleep. And let me tell you, it is absolutely incredible. So if you're looking for something to actually sleep with with music, it's absolutely incredible. And I can't recommend it enough. It's been amazing. Really good. All right. Zara Hedeman, great to see you again. Thank you for coming in. We will see you you again soon. Thank you. Give it up. Yes. Try not to uh, mute me on Twitter again, yeah? (laughs) It will entirely depend on what what I'm faced with. But you can find Zara on Twitter and you can find her on Tully Dublin, Irish Times, RTE Arena and more. Uh, former guest of the show Wallace Bird will play us out this week she's back with a new track she's had a couple of singles here and there but has kind of been quiet I think since uh, 2016's Home which was an excellent record she's back with a track called Brutal Honesty and if I can be brutally honest about it it's very very good (laughs) so it is Uh, always good to hear from Wallace my name is David William Henry this has been No Encore there will be No Encore back next week with a review of the Taylor Swift album which we're all excited about this is Wallace Bird go check her out
podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of A Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's A Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central only on PBS. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.